You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. For more on Screening in Kingston, more episodes, info about our movie clubs, and a lot more fun movie content, visit screeninginkingston.com. screening in Kingston, uh, some quick, interesting kind of box office news to kick things off because I won't be talking about Dr. Strange in full till next week. Um, just a little opening update. It made $185 million in the U S and over $400 million worldwide at the box office this weekend. So, uh, it's pretty good. When those numbers are that big, Mike, I'm like, I don't know. Is it good? They make Marvel movies like make billions of dollars. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, I would say it's good. Is it comparable to the other ones? Yes. And it's a little I mean, it's certainly not comparable to the big like the big movies like the Avengers, Avengers movies make yeah. so much. And even Spider-Man, because he's, I think, still the most recognizable. The Marvel uh, characters is Spider-Man. Uh, everyone has known Spider-Man forever, right? Like that's just Spider-Man. Yeah, little kids can go see Spider-Man. Exactly. So Spider-Man always does very well. But for a non-Avengers, non-Spider-Man movie, yeah, like that's a very, very good weekend. Um, Made almost half a billion dollars in its first weekend. Um, Again, Marvel movies have that rewatchability to them. Like someone like me, I'm going to see it multiple times. I'm going to try to see it twice before I talk about it next week. I'm going to probably see it in theaters a few times. So they've got that going for it. So to have a big opening means I think like a lot of different people obviously saw it because often you don't see it twice in one weekend, but I guess you could. Um, everything but that's else is just, happens. everything else is just going to be gravy now. For yeah. Them. And, and as someone like for me, I love numbers. It's kind of why I love some of the work that I do. Like I love working with numbers. I find box office numbers fascinating. And as much as there's lots to say and debate about the artistic merit of some of these types of movies, when a movie is making that much money, at the end of the day, it's good for everybody. It's good for the movie industry because people are going to movie theaters and theaters can stay open. It's good for the people who are involved in the production who get to go do something else with all the money that they're making. Like it's, it's good. Hey, here's another headline, box office headline. Sonic 2 made more money than Sonic 1. Yeah, I heard Sonic 2 did very, very well. <laughs> very well. And that Just, doesn't happen that often. <laughs> everyone knows my secret love for Sonic 1, or maybe we haven't talked about it in a while, but I, Sonic, the first Sonic movie was the last movie I saw before we went into mm-hmm. the very first lockdown. And we kind of joked like, oh, Sonic was the last movie. But you know what? We really enjoyed it, Dan and I. And we've watched it since. Like we, I think we watched it maybe on Prime. We might have even rented it. So we are looking forward to Sonic 2, but I think we're going to wait till it comes on streaming. Oh, you haven't seen Sonic 2 yet. That was going to be my question. Not yet. Okay. Yeah. But I'm planning Um, on seeing it, but just waiting. Yeah. No, that's that's totally fair. Um, But yeah, it did very well. Sonic 2 did very well. Um, even, you know, some some of the movies that I think suffered a little bit from having Sonic open and then Doctor Strange, like those are two like big movies a lot of people are going to yeah. see. Unfortunately, uh, your your forever love Alexander Skarsgård, um, his movie The Northman did not do very well. 
these past oh. couple of weeks. It uh, it's only it hasn't quite made its budget back of estimate of sixty million dollars gross worldwide so far. Only about fifty one million, so it's going to probably come in at a bit of a loss. And that was uh, that was kind of but the people who. So I forget the name of the director, but he did The Lighthouse and he did The Witch. So this is his big, his first big kind of big budget studio, like mainstream Hollywood movie. Mm -hmm. Let's be real. The people who are going to go see The Northman are the people who saw The Witch and who saw The Lighthouse. And they don't necessarily see it at the multiplex. They're waiting for it to come to places like the screening room. Oh, And it is going to. So I'm still hopeful because, again, like you said, Mike, um, you want movies to make money, even if the movies themselves like aren't artistic. You know, you can argue the artistic mm. merit, but for a director like this gentleman, you want him to do well because you want him to keep getting big budgets. You know yeah, what I mean? and he, yeah, and you're right. Like you, we can argue all we want about it. At the end of the day, if uh, whoever this director is, I don't, I don't know. I forget mom, his name. Sorry, but, Eggers, but, Robert Eggers. Oh, Robert Eggers. Yes, yes. Um, so if if he gets a big movie and it does do well, then he has the money to go off. He has more opportunities. Right? Yeah, and and again, it's 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 all part of the cog of I've ne- like I've never understood the the most you know. The people who who turn their noses up at certain types of movies where I'm like, well, you know, it's me like I don't like romantic comedies, but I see their merit. Like for a long, long time, romantic comedies were the superhero movie. It was the thing that you could always see a star. Every star had its romantic comedy movie. You couldn't name a star in the 90s and 2000s who wasn't in a romantic comedy. Like even Liam Neeson was in a romantic comedy because they make lots of money and then you can go do something else and people love them. So if people love, like, that's what you want, especially as an actor. You want to do something that's fun, a movie that people is going to love. Like, that's some, uh, I know we talked about The Lost City briefly when I, like, quickly reviewed it a couple weeks ago. But I don't know if you saw some of the things that, like, Channing Tatum was saying, because he he wasn't acting for a while. Like, he was taking care of his personal life and just not acting for a bit. And people were asking him, like, why were you picking these particular projects when you came back? And he said, I wanted to make movies that people would enjoy. Like I wanted people to go yeah, there's see nothing me on wrong. screen and have fun. There's, and nothing, like, there's wrong nothing wrong with that. that. Nothing at all. You know, like yeah. make movies that, because at the end of the day, we talked about this before, you know, movies are escapism. They don't always mm-hmm. have to be like the most dramatic thing in the world, right? Like sometimes you just want fluff is what I'm trying to say. Exactly. So I don't begrudge any actor who's getting their paycheck and making like a very beloved movie at the same time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Even though, like, everyone knows I'm not a Marvel fan, but I don't poo-poo the people who want to go see Marvel movies. So, well, maybe a little bit, but... <laughs> only a tiny bit. <laughs> only a tiny bit. Only on here. <laughs> only to me and the people I bring on the show. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you know it's all in love and in jest. Yeah, like, at the end of the day, fun. y'all are going to throw your money at Marvel Studios anyways, so it doesn't matter what I say. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going to see it, and we're going to keep making you watch them. Right. And that's it. <laughs> so exactly. that's, that's it. The show will continue to cover them. Yeah. So it's it's good to get a little interesting kind of box office news as we get in there. Um, as we mentioned last week, we had a bunch of fan questions we couldn't get to. So we're going to get to those right now. Go through all of them. Uh, Taylor, you've got a movie to review that I'm very fascinated to hear your thoughts on, actually. I, I yeah. really want to 
dive into that one. And then I thought because I didn't want to review Doctor Strange until it's had a couple weeks, because I want to, with all these Marvel movies, it's so, I'm finding it so hard to talk without spoilers. Um, especially the fans like I found lose, that... Mike, the fans lose their mind. You could say yeah. like, oh, this person yeah. was in the movie. <gasps> well, that wasn't announced. Wasn't. That wasn't a publicly yes. announced yes. cat. Like, oh my gosh, grow up. <laughs> and and I don't, you know, I want to give people, so I'm giving two weeks. I'm giving people You're two doing weeks the right with, thing. That Yeah, it's, it's two weeks. If you're a super fan of these movies, you will see it within the first two weeks. Like, that's just the way it will be. You're, you're going to. So I'm giving everybody two weeks, and then I'm going to go into some light spoilers, depending upon how the movie is. I just found from my recent Spider-Man review experience, I just couldn't, like, I couldn't talk about it. And I found it hard to, without going into spoilers. So light spoilers next week for Doctor Strange. Please go see it if you listen to this show and you haven't yet. I'm sure um, if you're going to go see it, you're probably going to see it early. So uh, that'll be next week. So I thought I'd talk Moon Knight. Because that's the Marvel Disney Plus TV show that just got finished. So I thought, I'll talk about that. That's a good lead. The Ethan Hawke, who said he'd that's never the one. be in yes. Marvel. Yes, yeah, I will be talking about Ethan Hawke today. Ethan, <laughs> I'd never excited. be in a Marvel movie, Hawke. Exactly. <laughs> that, as he will be known on this show from now on. Yeah. Um, but let's get into those fan questions that we didn't get to last week. So we got quite a few to go through here. Um Okay, this is just, uh, this is kind of more of a fan comment and thoughts on our animation episode. Um, uh, this comes from Kathy, who writes, good episode. Uh, Tyler, you did very well. So congratulations to Tyler. This is a shout out to Tyler. I enjoyed animated movies um, as a child. And when my children were growing up, uh, I, I didn't watch them go as a rule unless uh, I was with my grandkids. However... Um, I did see back in 2017 at the screening room, Loving Vincent. It was an amazing film done uh, in the style of Vincent Van Gogh, um, de depicting his last days alive. There's a mystery around how he died. Uh, was it natural or did something aid in his death? It was an excellent story and it was really well done. I would fully recommend it to all of you. It's a really good movie. Um, so that comes from Kathy. Yeah, I remember that movie coming out, actually. The, the one that was done in like Van Gogh's painting style. Is that uh, the one where that. they like people acted, but then it was kind of like painted over? Am I? I I don't know because I one I never saw it, but I I just remember hearing and seeing previews because I think because I know it came to the screen room. Yeah, and I remember seeing previews at the screen room, but I'm not too sure how it was done. Like, what was like? Are you saying you know? Was it kind of like almost motion capture where people are acting yeah. and painted over, or was it fully painted, like animated? Yeah, that's a good question. That would be something to kind well, of. Well, Kathy, write in next week. Let us know. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good question. Um, but yeah, shout out to Tyler for his animation. He did a episode. great job. Yep, as usual, it was uh, it was fascinating to talk about all those very strange, very strange movies. Um, okay, uh, Inquisitor, Josh the Inquisitor writes in, says, oh, hey, um, do you find it difficult to remain absorbed in the story when watching a movie or TV show where an actor has been replaced, such as Johnny Depp slash Mads Mikkelsen in Fantastic Beast series or Terrence Howard slash John Cheadle in the Iron Man series? Okay, Josh the Inquisitor. It happens a lot. The more, like, like especially as I'm older, like, I start to, to see it more. Like, Katie Holmes, who was replaced... Um, with Maggie Gyllenhaal 
in the second Christopher Nolan Batman movie. Yeah. Um, it took me forever to wrap my head around that was the same character. <laughs> that was like the, that was the first time I remember having the experience being like, wait, what? <laughs> like that's the same person, different actor. But like I had no problem with with believing Mads Mickelson replacing Johnny Depp because he did so well. Like Taylor, I can't even begin to explain to you how different it makes me feel about the kind of movie and the performance. Like he was a standout. Like I know you love Mads Mikkelsen. So you know he's he's actually Yeah, he's great. But also it's the wizarding world. So like it like there's that extra level of um suspension of disbelief where like mm-hmm. yeah he's magic. He can do whatever he he can that's look however true. he wants. That's very, very <laughs> you know true. what I mean? But um and that's that's one of the things that like I felt he did so well was he just kind of was the character it's like he showed up and he was always the character and like yeah yeah i was in a disguise last movie and now this is me like there was no questioning of it and i think it was because of the level of the performance but he i just everything about him is more believable in that role so i think i was just also ready to accept it more because the terrence howard don Cheadle thing took me a second as well um but the Mads Mickelson thing, I guess I just, I was willing to accept it because he was so good. And I just felt he fit the character so much more. I'm trying to think. Um, I don't watch like a ton of franchise movies. So uh, even though like everything's a franchise these days. So it's not a common experience for me necessarily for people to be recast like in the movies I'm watching right like I typically would watch a one-off movie as opposed to a series like I haven't seen Iron Man and I haven't seen the Fantastic Beast movie however as everyone knows even though I haven't had an opportunity to talk about it recently I am a fanable for the Hannibal TV series mm-hmm. and that had um a recasting and they recast one of my absolute favorite actors who actually isn't acting this much these days michael pitt so he played mason verger in season two and then he was recast by joe he was recast and joe anderson took on the character but at the end of season two he gets like the character um uh, spoiler but the show has been out for a long time and this happens in the movies and the book so anyways <laughs> again it's not really that much of a spoiler because it's an yeah, old so show now if it's, if it's been around for years people can just you can and like you're, it's a, you weren't gonna watch it if you haven't watched it now it's a plot point <laughs> in both like the books the movies whatever so uh, he offend, he essentially like tears his face off right so like Mm -hmm. and gets um in this by like the third season has like kind of facial reconstruction surgery but like it it doesn't really look like a face essentially so um the casting i thought it was gonna bother me because i love michael pitt but Mm -hmm. because the character essentially loses their face it wasn't that noticeable you know what i mean like, visually, you're like, oh, yeah, it's the same character, right? And Joe Anderson did a really great job. So um, that's the most recent example I can think of. And it didn't 
kill the show for me. And at the time, that was my favorite TV show. And Michael Pitt was my favorite actor. So yeah. I guess my answer is you can do it. If I can, if yeah, I can yeah. survive the recasting of Michael Pitt and Hannibal, you guys can survive your recasting in your film franchise. Movie. Yeah, and and I and I understand, you know, in a TV show, I think that stuff can be harder because it does happen all the time, unfortunately. Um, and in some schedules change, schedules or... change, where bad things happen. Um, yeah, I just and sometimes a movie, a franchise, a story, you can kind of dance around it. Like what happens in, in Doctor Who, for example, where they built it into the story that every couple of years, the doctor changes because that's how the alien species works. You know, they're, they're reborn every couple of years. They mutate, or I don't, I don't know. I don't watch the show, but I know that that's what happens. So you can build that kind of thing in there and you're right when it's magic or when it's something kind of sci-fi, you can do different things, but sometimes you just have to accept the fact that sometimes you're going to get a new person playing the same character. I think with movies too, it can be easier because there's more, typically there's more time between installments. Yeah. Right. So like you might go a year, two, three years in between movies. So at that point, you know, you've kind of for I don't know, maybe maybe people with good memories. This is different. But for me, it's like, oh, my gosh, that movie was like three years ago. Who cares who's playing the love interest now? You know what I mean? Whereas with TV, typically they're cast in between seasons. And if you're watching like old, like if you're watching on cable, you maybe have like a four month hiatus. So yeah. I think it, that also impacts it. Like how much time is in between installments. I agree. I absolutely agree. Um, let's continue on here. We got a couple more uh, to go through. And one of the fan questions is going to take us a really long time. Uh, so <laughs> we're going to move on. So this is, so, oh, this got, is, has gotta... turned, Mike, this has turned into another fan bag episode without us yeah, trying you know, to. <laughs> you know, what's interesting, Taylor, because I just, as you were talking, I usually what I do when I know you're going to talk for a bit, I do like a time check and I quickly look at the emails and I'm like, okay, what, what do we got here? What, and I saw we were at like 17 minutes or something. <laughs> and all I was thinking was, are like, we're going to have five minutes to review. It's like, I don't know what, I don't know what to do here. Like part of me is like, should we, should we talk to CFRC and try to get a longer show? Like, is that what we have to do? Like, does this have to, does this have to be a 90 minute? I don't even know if that's a thing. But this 30 minutes of questions, one hour. Yeah. And then, and then an hour of review, like just to have time, because I just, because we used to take fan questions a couple of week, you know, a couple per week every time, but we never, I don't know, like, are we just slower? Like what happened? Like we never had this problem before. Yeah. We had some I longer think, episodes, I don't know. but we never had this issue. Everyone's come out of their COVID hibernation. Yeah, that's Anyways, true. Hit yeah. me with your next question. But I, Mike. but it let let's not discourage people though. We love your fan questions <laughs> for sure. Keep writing thing. them in. It's our favorite thing. We'll do what we need to do to make it happen. Don't don't. We're just don't trying to play catch up. <laughs> um, okay, next one comes from uh, Ronald Coleman. Haven't heard from from Ronald Coleman in a while. So it says hello, Mike and Taylor. Ronald Coleman here, still listening. Mother's Great. Day update. Uh, took Mrs. Coleman to the screening room to see The Godfather. Uh, made her an offer she couldn't refuse, but she forgot uh, the cannoli. 
<laughs> that's a Godfather. Godfather fans will understand that reference. Uh, nice to see another classic at the screening room. Next month, they're doing Godfather 2. Have either of you seen either of the, these films in this series? If so, what do you think of them? P.S. We saw guest host Matt Salton at the show. Setting off Ronald Coleman. Uh, but though also Ronald Coleman called him Matt Salted, uh, which it's, it's Sultan, not salted like you salt. He was you know, salty, oh, I just, like my question. Yeah. Matt was salty with it. Yeah, yeah. No, Matt's, I mean, Matt is salty, but but, <laughs> but his name is Sultan. Um, but yes, uh, Godfather, great, great movies. Um, I've seen both Godfather and Godfather 2. Now, I don't think I've seen, I know there's been, I think there's been others, but I've only seen. There's a third, two. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, okay. I didn't, I never saw that. I heard it wasn't so good, so I just never watched it. But eventually, like, at some point in time, later in my really loving film life, I started to watch some of these classics and I remember like, I really, really liked Godfather and I do remember liking Godfather too, but I think I'm in the minority where I actually like the first one more than the second one. I think a lot of people said the second one is better. So unpopular opinion, I watched the first one. Um, I think it was recommend, like I watched it with an individual, you know, who wanted, Oh, you got to watch the Godfather. Yada, yada, yada. I, thought it was really long really boring to be fair i was probably 17 when i watched this movie and maybe i just need to return to it but i did not have a great (laughs) movie going experience and so i never watched the second or the third one because i really didn't like the first one so yeah but i think most that makes sense most people can uh understand when you know someone kind of forces you to watch the movie and you're like, okay, so I don't know. <laughs> it's, I could be biased. Also, I mean, the quote here, well, a couple couple references, but the quote, like, made her an offer she couldn't refuse. Like, I feel like that's one of the things that, like, transcends the movie. Like, some, some things go into, like, the populace and our common opinions, or not opinions, com- common sayings. Yeah. Or quotes that people are quoting. And people might not even 100% realize where they're from, but they've, like, transcended the movie. So I oh, think yeah. even though even though you haven't seen Godfather 2, there's probably quotes that you've heard from it and you know enough about it to like, oh, you know some of these quotes. Yeah, it's like been like spoofed now. by, you know, like yeah. Family Guy yeah. or yeah. Um, yeah, Simpsons. So definitely. I know enough uh, the cultural touchstones that I'm not lacking. <laughs> uh, next question uh, comes from Cynthia. So Cynthia uh, writes in and says, hi, Mike and Taylor. Really loving the podcast. Just wondering if you had anything that you were right now streaming in terms of TV shows. You guys do a great job of talking about movies. Um, So I think I have a general sense on what each of you like, but I'm wondering what your tastes are for shows. Do you have shows that you're watching on a week to week basis? Are you more into binging? Uh, what What are the shows of Mike and Taylor right now? So Taylor, are you watching any TV? (laughs) <laughs> do you have anything you watch on we, a weekly basis we stream we stream but like we don't have cable so i don't i wouldn't say i watch week to week um i've been watching the old uh robert stack episodes of unsolved mysteries on amazon prime and we've really been enjoying that the ones from the 80s and 90s and early 2000s we just finished up old enough on netflix mm-hmm which is a Japanese, I guess, like, reality TV show. These little kids are, quote-unquote, old enough to do their first errand. So 
it's like a camera crew following like two, three, and four-year-olds do little errands like across Japan. <laughs> and it sounds adorable and it is. So we watched, yeah. we just finished that. We were watching that like at dinner time. And then this past weekend, I'm so glad this question was asked. I just watched Meltdown Three Mile Island on Netflix, mm. which is a mini series documentary about the nuclear disaster in pennsylvania at the end of the 70s so um if people are interested in that kind of stuff (laughs) nuclear disasters if you liked chernobyl i definitely recommend you watching three mile island oh really okay yeah i love chernobyl so yeah the difference is mike that this isn't like a a docudrama like it's an actual documentary it's a documentary yeah yeah yeah. so it's it goes into more detail like the real real life (laughs) yes exactly no that's fair so i recommend all three of those things all available on streaming that's awesome that's cool um yeah i mean i always i'm for whatever reason i got into maybe it's a i don't know if it's a bad habit or not but i there's certain type of work that i do that is so tedious that I need to have something on in the background. So I find I always have one or two brainless shows going that I can just throw on for three or four episodes so I can finish this like- For the background noise. Yeah, for the background noise, because I, I just need that for whatever reason. It's, it, it helps me kind of move through things. Um, but in terms of things like I'm actually watching, like as I said, I just finished Moon Knight. So I will stream or binge those types of things. So even though Marvel has been releasing them weekly, usually what I'll do is wait two or three episodes, watch two or three, and then wait for the next two or three and watch two or three again, um, because I like to binge the Marvel shows. Um, I wish they would come out just like Netflix does, um, where um, you know Netflix will release Stranger Things on a Friday and all the episodes will be there and you can binge them on the weekend if you want to. I think that for streaming is is the better way to go personally. Um, but anyway, those are just for some of the shows. And then like I've got I've got one or two cable television shows that I watch. Again, I usually like like record them and then watch them later because I can never watch them when they're on. Like I'm not staying up till ten o'clock on a Sunday night, the night before I start like my work week to watch the rookie. <laughs> which is a show I watch. I record it and watch it several days later, like is what I do. So yeah, like The Rookie is a show that I'm still into, even though oh, I got to say it's gone downhill. It, it started out it's real strong. It's been on the airways a long time. A couple of years now. Yeah. yeah, like the first couple seasons were good. I think there's a season four or five and it's like the writing's starting to give and you can tell. It's like, hmm, I think you might be running out of ideas here. Like it was, it was good, but now it's starting to fade. Um, I... You know, fans, I gave Star Trek Picard Season 2 a a try. I really did. I thought the first episode was really promising. I I tried to like it. I tried so hard to like it. It's just so bad. I couldn't do it. So I'm not watching that. I, I just gave up. I watched five or six episodes and just didn't finish it. Um... I just couldn't do it. Star Trek Strange New Worlds just premiered last week, and I finally watched it this week. Um, and uh, it's promising. Like, it had a, the pilot episode was interesting enough. It was definitely, like, I will say of the new Star Trek, it was probably the best episode they've made and the most smartly written episode they've made 
of all this, like of all Star Trek Discovery, all of Picard, and now this one pilot. This pilot episode was definitely like the most intelligent, clear, somewhat we care, like with some heart and care put into the writing. That that's what this episode had that others didn't. So that gives me some hope. But again, I've been burned so many times that I've watched Star Trek from from under a blanket. Uh ready to cry so it's like a bad relationship oh yeah just like why do i keep coming back uh but yeah that's kind of what i'm watching right now like now that moon Knight's wrapped up like i've got the rookie in a couple shows i'm again i i i got this far for i know this is us is ending like this is us is coming to an end and that was a big show for a long time and i i did like stick with it now that's a show i have not watched weekly what ends up happening with that was i came to it later binged and caught up and then like as seasons came out i would watch it and then this their last season i've been watching it in small chunks um but again another show where i'm just like i think i think it's good it's ending because i think it's kind of jumped the shark a few times but yeah that's kind of what i'm watching right now um next question comes from tayson who uh solved a mystery for us uh so tayson had a great question last week about memory um, and, uh, so Tayson says, Mike and Taylor, thanks, uh, for your answers about the first movie theater memories last week. Uh, Mike, the movie you were thinking of is the 1995 Don Blue film, The Pebble and the Penguin. So there you go. <laughs> the movie I was thinking of is called The Pebble and the Penguin. Never heard of um, it. <laughs> you know what? Neither have I. Even though that's the movie I definitely was describing, uh, I looked it up. Uh, this name and I was like yeah that looks about right um, and according to the the kind of uh, plot synopsis it's about penguins who who are trying to find a lifelong mate and they have to present them with a pebble and so this kind of uh, this kind of like oddball penguin goes on a search to find the perfect pebble to to bring Aww. his potential mate uh, and of course hijinks ensue and it's like an adventure movie so there you go. Uh, Tayson continues and says, and Taylor, I'd have to agree with you that the Tim Burton Batman films are far superior to Joel Schumacher's ones. They came out a bit too early for me to catch them in the theater, but they were probably my most rewatched VHSs as a kid. Uh, I remember having those on VHS. Um, I don't think we had them on VHS, but I think my boy cousins did. Yeah, <laughs> so... You're going to have Batman on VHS. Uh, I felt so bad asking you guys a memory-based question, literally on the same episode that you stated that you had a poor memory. That said, I have another memory-based question oh, no. this week. So clearly I don't feel too bad about it. What's a, what's a good memory that you have tied to a bad movie? For me, it's the 1998 Godzilla movie starring Matthew Broderick. My parents rented this from Blockbuster when it came out on VHS for us to watch as a family. We got McDonald's for dinner, and I remember distinctly because it was the first time I was allowed to order something that wasn't a Happy Meal. So I ordered a Big Mac, felt like it would, and it felt like the biggest burger in the world. Uh, the movie sucks, but anytime I think about it, I crave McDonald's. Uh, P.S. If you ever do a '90s Batman episode, I'm inviting myself to be a guest on the <laughs> podcast that week. Yes, absolutely, Tayson. You got uh, it. You absolutely You're will be invited on. You're booked for whenever we do a 90s Batman episode. Now, that would be interesting because there's four movies that came out in the 90s for Batman. The two Tim Burton ones and the two Joel Schumacher ones. And that would be quite the relaunch going through all four. That'd be fun. 
though. It would be. Yep. Yep. We can do that. Can Mike, do that. I can't so, answer this question. I don't know. <laughs> My a, good, a good memory you have with a bad movie? <sighs> yeah, it's, it's it's hard because movie, some movies are so bad. Um, I mean, I remember, like, I have some good memories associated with seeing, even though it wasn't like a bad movie, it just wasn't a great movie. Um, I saw, uh, when I saw Venom for the first time, uh, I was watching uh, with a friend uh, and it was... It was like a really rough week for me. And then we watched this movie and I remember laughing so much during it that it was kind of like a cheer up thing. So every time I think of Venom or I see anything with Venom, I remember like our reaction to Eminem's song. Because like Eminem's an artist we've known forever. And you're watching like a superhero movie and like the movie had a lot of weird quirks in it. It was like, okay, it was fine. It's not the best movie, but it's not the worst either. But then at the end, Eminem's song comes on the credits and we both couldn't believe it. Like we were just howling, laughing with us. The funniest thing ever. Couldn't believe that this was like, he's rapping. It's a rap song to end a, a, a superhero Marvel movie. So that definitely has like a good memory attached to it. But again, that movie is not horrible. Um, a lot of the bad movies I've seen are just bad movies. And I don't really, I don't really think of them again. That's my problem. Like, if I've seen a really bad movie, it's like, okay, zero recollection. Um, I did have a think. So, in high school, um, you know, I love Jesus Christ Superstar, the one from the 70s. And I had two friends who loved the remake from, like, the 2000s. But they loved it ironically because it was so horrible, right? So, we had a double feature night. I'm pretty sure we did this. We watched the one from the 70s and then we watched the remake and the remake was like absolutely horrible. And I think, yeah, yeah so like <laughs> that and every time I think of the one from the 2000s, even though I'm not really I'm not in touch with these friends anymore, you know, like they're old high school mm -hmm. friends. I mm -hmm. do immediately think of those two girls like for me, like the fond memories of Jesus Christ Superstar and then thinking about how corny the remake was. So anyways, that's my positive memory for a bad movie <laughs> there is a really funny parody thing I, it's not even like a i don't even think it's a movie or it was like a web exclusive thing but this this kind of british group who do a lot of comedies together um they did a parody of a it's kind of like a a, a documentary about making a musical about the innkeeper who, who said there's no room at the inn. Yeah. Like that, that was like what, what the, the things about, but it's, it's like a parody mockumentary about them making this musical and about how passionate this creator was about like the story of the innkeeper and how he's actually the unsung hero. Um, and it, it always makes me think of Jesus Christ Superstar because it's basically a Jesus Christ Superstar parody. Like they right. took that musical and they like made songs that were a little different, but it's like it's a rock opera, just like <laughs> Jesus Christ Superstar, but about the innkeeper and like the the difficult life he was having up until that moment, like and all the like how he was never. I think the story was he was never able to sell out his inn until finally one magical weekend where the sales <laughs> went really well, <laughs> so he couldn't possibly have any room for someone who didn't have money, and he was like losing money, and it, it like tries to paint the innkeeper as this like victim of circumstance. But anyway, it's very, very funny. 
And that always makes me think of Jesus Christ Superstar because it's done such in that style that it's kind of trying to make fun of it, um, which is, is I think, it's very, very fun. Because Jesus Christ Superstar is more of a serious, for those people who don't know, like it's more of a serious, taking it seriously, like rock opera, like drama, I would say. Like it's more of a dramatic Yeah, it's thing. about the crucifixion, so... It's not going to be a barrel of laughs. It's, yeah, it's not. It's not. What's that? What was that movie that I had to watch? It's Hamlet not Life two? of Life of Pi. Not oh. Life of Pi. No. No, Hamlet two was great. Oh. What's the Monty Python one? Um, oh, Meaning of Life. Meaning of um, Life. Life of Brian. Life of Brian. Life of Brian. That's it. Life of Brian. <laughs> like it's not that, which is ridiculous. Um, okay, last fan question here is a little thing that we were supposed to get to on the anime episode that we didn't have time for. And also, I don't know, I, I tried to give you a little bit of warning, Taylor, but just remember this was going to be totally sprung on us. Right. Uh, I don't think I would have been able to do this had it been no, sprung on me. <laughs> neither was I. So, so I'm so glad we didn't do this. So Austin writes in uh, and just says, uh, I just wanted to say a great job to Tyler on the animation episode. I really had loved uh, hearing all your thoughts on the various movies and watching some of these movies that I had never seen before. So great job to Tyler. Uh, Tyler asked me to put together a couple different things uh, for the episode. This was one of the things that we didn't have time to get to. Um, casting stuff is always a lot of fun. So what I'd like you to do is Mike and Taylor, could you both cast Sailor Moon as if it was a live action film? So I want you to both be the casting directors together and cast us a movie, discuss the different roles, and maybe even debate between the two of you who you'd like to pick for certain roles. So Taylor, we've got to do this together. Um, we're going to cast Sailor Moon. And one of the things that you and I talked about just before recording, and just so our fans know, we've got a Hollywood this. Um, I don't think it's going to have the same amount of impact in terms of entertainment value if we name a lot of people that, unfortunately, we've never heard of. Like, it's it's an unfortunate circumstance, but uh, Japanese-American, Japanese-Canadian actors who are over here working, like, there's not a lot. Um, there's some, like, there's some that I'm sure we'd recognize. Um, Korean and Chinese actors are a lot more common for whatever reason. Um, Japanese, though, film industry has a lot of boom and stuff going on. It just doesn't find its way over here, unfortunately. So I think to make it a little bit more both fair to you and me, um, but also so our fans know who we're talking about, we're going to Hollywood this. We're going to say Hollywood's doing it. We're going to try to have a, a nice, diverse cast here, but they're going to be Hollywood people of nature. It's going to take place in, like, California. Let's put oh, it yeah. Like, like, we, we have to change it. Like, it's not going to take not place happening like, in, like, Japan. It's not in Tokyo. No, and, and, like, I think Sailor Moon... It's like a region in Tokyo that it takes place in. No, this is going to be, like, this has to be, like, outside of Los Angeles. Like, in order yeah. for it to kind of work. So that's where we're setting it, is it's a Sailor Moon kind of, like, re re remake that is going to take place somewhere in Los Angeles. Or, so like, a fictional Yeah, like, a fictional town, town out in California. Like, that's Whatever. kind of the yeah, that's yeah. Kind of the idea, yeah. So, so Sailor Moon, we've got to cast it. Uh, Taylor... Where shall we begin? Shall we begin with the title role? Shall we talk about Sailor yeah. Moon? Yeah, yeah. So um, do you have a pick? Oh, I definitely have a pick. But I'm curious if, if you have one. I definitely have a pick. There's only there's one person that popped in my head right away. So this movie is really hard because I had to look it up. There's supposed to be 14-year-olds. And oh, I'm not, yeah, we're not, we're not going to. I'm old. <laughs> I'm old. So like 
the kids that I would have cast, like the stranger kids, stranger thing kids are already in their 20s. So anyways, I tried, (laughs) I tried to keep my casting under 25. Yes. And my first gut instinct was McKenna Grace, who's actually the most age appropriate at the age of 15. But then it wouldn't make sense for who I was casting for Tuxedo Mask. So I had to age everyone up. So um, Elle Fanning is my Sailor Moon. Okay. Elle Fanning. Okay. Um, So Elle Fanning is a good choice. Now, I I just want to put out that I know know, like age is going to become a thing. But let let me make the case for Anya Taylor-Joy. No, no, Mike. No, she is not... She is uh, my. I've reserved her for another of the Sailor Scouts. Who, if not Sailor Moon, who are you putting on a Sailor Joy? Um, so I have to keep track. Um, Sailor Venus, who, according to Wikipedia, is a near identical, who has near identical looks to Sailor Moon, and acts as her decoy and bodyguard. She wants to become a famous singer, um, and become kind of like a J pop star. And she is the guardian of love and beauty. So, okay. Cause Anya is more like ethereal looking. I thought okay. they look similar enough, but out of the two, who would be the God, like the protector of love and beauty, Anya Taylor joy. So anyways, okay. I feel strongly that Anya Taylor joy is more of a sailor Venus, even though she I... is talented enough to be top billed. Yeah, I was ready to fight you on that, but you made a really good point. So yeah, okay. <laughs> you'll yield. I, I I will yield. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you. So in that case, Elle Fanning as Sailor Moon and Anya Taylor Joy as Sailor Venus. There you go. We got two done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is good. Minimal fighting. Yeah, that's excellent. Okay, okay. Let's let's uh, let's move on then. Um, let's uh, let's talk about Sailor Mercury then, because that would be like her. Probably the next top build to, to she was my favorite. She was the up. friend, right? Like she yeah. was like the best friend. Yeah. So who do you, who do you have then for Sailor Moon? Um, I just have to make sure that I have her name right. Lana Condor from All the Boys I've Loved Before. She was on, and she also was in one of the X Men movies. I don't recognize the name, but I was, she was in one of the X Men movies. She played Jubilee. An oh. apocalypse. Oh, okay. So she was barely in it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm just going off no, of her Wikipedia. No. I know Jubilee her... is supposed to be a big character, and everyone was disappointed because she had like no screen. Time. I know her from all the boys to all the boys I loved before. That's how I know her. Yeah. So yeah. um she's my Sailor Mercury. Okay. Okay. So I'm not I'm actually not gonna fight you on that. Um for many reasons. One, because I'm saving the battle. Uh, for for Tuxedo another mask. important probably <laughs> um, but yes so yeah I think I definitely think she can do it um, I certainly like because if I again I'm trying to remember and I'm I'm looking at pictures but Sailor Mercury was she's the one with like short like Blue. almost bluish hair right yeah she yeah. is like the guardian of water and wisdom and is okay. known for her passion for learning and taking care of others. And she's secretly a fan of pop culture and romance novels. And she's shy, but intelligent. All right. Well, there you go. We'll go uh, Lana Condor then. There you go. Sailor Mercury. Um, Okay. Let's talk Sailor Mars. Let's go in order of the solar system. 
and talk about Sailor Mars next. Um, so who do you have for Sailor Mars? Now, she she was always like more of a almost a foil at times to Sailor Moon. Like I remember they yeah. don't they didn't get along right off the bat. She's a little bit more like aggressive, a little bit more quick to action. So what are your thoughts there? Zendaya. Am I saying Zendaya. her name? Zendaya. Right? Yes, Zendaya. Yes. Yeah. Okay. See, I have Zendaya for someone else. So <laughs> that's that's interesting. So I, I had Zendaya for Sailor Jupiter. Um, because... I had Haley. Oh, what's her? She's from True Grit. Haley. Um... Haley from True. And she sings. She's in the Glee. Uh, Haley Steinfeld for Sailor Jupiter. Because Sailor Jupiter is supposed to be tall and like really strong and might have been kicked out of her other school for fighting. Okay, yeah. So Zendaya, model, tall. Um, and Zendaya is such a good actor, like in everything that, that she's in, that I, I feel like you need for Sailor Jupiter even more so than than Sailor Mars. Like, I think Sailor Mars, you need almost someone who can be, like, unlikable and pushy and, like, a little bit is is in this movie is probably going to be the main, like, sort of, anti- other than villains, will be the antagonist of the group. Like, I think Jupiter is someone who's a little bit more, like, even though they're strong, they're, like, the calming presence of the group. Like, you know everything's going to be okay. And I think Zendaya pulls that off a little bit more so. I'll yield. I'll yield. I'll let Zendaya be Sailor Jupiter. But the question is, who are you casting for Sailor Mars? Well, okay, that this was hard because again, the age thing became became an issue because I was thinking Anya Taylor Joy, right? And then I was like, okay, she's a tiny bit older, but still kind of looks young. Um, so that it's a little difficult because I was actually looking at potentially now that she's a little bit older. And by the time we do this, maybe she's a little bit older. Um, Millie Bobby Brown to play mm-hmm. Sailor. Um, so again, from Stranger Things, because again, a strong actor who like can do multiple things, who because of her like presence and has been in a lot of really good things and she, you know, will be really well known and recognized. I think that that's a good like counterpoint for Sailor Moon. So that's who I had there mainly for the reasons of, it was going to be Anya Taylor-Joy versus Millie Bobby Brown and like having kind of two, two kind of big stars right. in, in those roles. Um, though I'm willing, if you, if you have any other ideas, I'm willing to, to consider someone else. Cause now that it's Elle Fanning, we could do something different. Um, for No, um, I'll yield because. Cause you have a real clear tuxedo mask. Well, I tuxedo mask again was hard because of the age. Like I don't. So tuxedo mask was probably my first crush, as was probably like many girls' first crush. So for me, I'm like he has to be a heartthrob. He's but barely I, in it though. Like or like I guess I'd guess it depends. In this, will he be in it more? And what? Oh, he would be the love interest. You'd have a huge part. Right. I don't know. Right. Like as a young person, what do I remember? I remember Sailor Moon. Sailor Mercury and Tuxedo Mask. I cannot, I can't tell you who the villain was. I can't, you know, like I knew there was cats, but like Tuxedo Mask. Was oh yeah, large. we gotta, we gotta, we do definitely the voice have for the to cats. cast her cat. Yeah, we gotta do the, well, at least, at Luna? least the first one. Like I at least her cat. Yeah, needs to have um, the voice. I don't know. About, I can't remember if it was a boy or a girl. Uh, I think female. But 
Okay, so controversial. Maybe. I don't know. But I tried to keep it age-appropriate. So that's why I made Elle Fanning, you know, I chose an older right, actress. Right, sure, sure. Timothy Chalamet as oh, I knew Mask. you were going to pick <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. No. <laughs> He's such a, oh my a slender God. build. Chalamet. Can't you see him in a little tuxedo mask? <laughs> He's not even remotely intimidating, though. Like, tuxedo mask always, like, showed up. And, like, the thing about him was he, like, didn't interfere that much because it was very much about like Sailor Moon, like finding her own powers. So, like he, he like often cut in like when she really needed him or like very, but he, he didn't have to do much to be intimidating. He just like would throw his flower or whatever. And then just his presence was kind of like, I always felt like no one, because whoever she's fighting never like attacked him, which I found to be weird. Like he would just show up and like ruin the bad guy's plans and then no one would do anything. So he's just like, he's ma- kind of massive. Like he's- He's supposed I to be mysterious. Someone... Yeah, but I think you need someone that like can carry- Well, carry who, own who would you? Um, so uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna admit right now, I was trying to look up how to how to say this guy's name because I didn't want to butcher it. But Simo, uh, Simo uh, uh, Liu, who is uh, Shang-Chi. Um, and was in Kim's Convenience, Canadian actor. Uh, I believe he's hosting some award show coming up. But he he's way too old. He's still a younger. Again, I had Ani Taylor Joy though. Like you have to remember, like this is before we've changed to El Fanning. So like, yes, he's, he's probably too old for El Fanning. But like, he often- looks old. He's supposed to. He's supposed to be in the same school as them, but in an upper year. Right. In an upper year, yeah. So he's a couple of years older. Um, okay, so we, okay, we don't have to go it. with him. But, but okay, but fine. Other than Timothy Chalamet, let's see if we can find somebody else. Because Timothy Chalamet, I just don't think, like, that's just, what a cop-out. Like, let's just go for <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. He's, like, in everything. Um, okay, let's think of, let's think of and We gotta be else. quick, because um, we're running out of time, and I still have a movie I know, I know, I know. Uh, we need to get to that. Ugh. This is how decisions get made in Hollywood, I bet, where I just have They to throw darts time. at a... <laughs> where I'm just, like, anybody. But, okay, fine. Timothy Chalamet. We can return if we have more time. I will spend the rest of the week thinking about this. And the cat's voice. And the cat's voice. We we have to we have to cast the cat's voice. Though the cat's voice, I think that's where we could go. Like you could go with an older actor um, and really get a good name. Oh, like a comedic. You would get like a comedic actor. Yeah, you could get a comedic actor. You could get somebody to kind of do that. Um, but yes, we don't have a lot of time left in the show, and we do want to get to a little bit of news. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to move my Moon Knight stuff to next week, because I'm doc- talking Doctor Strange anyway. So we we wrapped up all our fans' questions that we missed. I will talk about Moon Knight next week. Um, Taylor, why don't you review Operation this week to, to end the show? Okay, so this is a new movie that I saw at the screening room. Um, it looks like it might be a Netflix production, so it will likely come to screen uh, streaming, but you can never tell how soon it's going to come to streaming. So that I don't want that to make you <laughs> wait to go see it if you want to go see it. Um, it's Colin Firth, and he's like the most recognizable actor, and then the kind of the romantic lead, um, she's recognizable, and I apologize, I can't remember her name, and we don't have time to look it up, but she was... Um, she did one of the voices in Brave, and I know her from oh. Boardwalk Empire. Right, she right, right. She was okay. um like Nucky or 
Naki? I can't even remember. He, I can see the face. Yes. She has a distinctive <laughs> yeah. face. And I believe she's yeah. Scottish and like mm-hmm. normally has like a like a accent that, you know. So anyways, and then there was a, like a lots of other British actors, but I not recognizable to me. They might be like mm-hmm. active in the British film industry, but I wasn't familiar but with you that. You wouldn't know them. So yeah. this movie is a spy movie set during World War II. It's based on a true story and it's essentially like the biggest ruse, like the biggest scheme that was ever done under espionage, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. and it was called Operation Mincemeat, and that's that's what it was called. And like that's you know, that's real. Um the movie is just over two hours, so everyone already can anticipate what I'm gonna say. The movie too was long. too long. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the problem was um the first hour is really them setting up the scheme or like the deception, right? Mm-hmm. And uh a lot of the plot was sort of a love triangle between Colin Firth, the woman from Boardwalk Empire, and then another character. And uh, I didn't think when I go into a spy movie, I don't need romance. You know what I mean? Like I felt like the love triangle was kind of bogging the movie down. And then the second half of the movie, once the deception starts to unfold, the second half of the movie was very good because it took you from like England to Spain, you know, scenes in Germany, like um, this isn't working. We have to do this. Like now we have to pivot. Like, okay, like we're waiting. So like there was a lot more dramatic tension in the second half of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. Acting was good. Writing was good. Uh, I really wish they would have tightened up the first part of the movie and like quite frankly scrap the the romantic subplot like you knew that the certain characters were never going to get together in the end you know what i mean right, like right. the one character kept being like you know like he like he's bound by duty so like obviously when one character sets that up you're like okay that's you know what I mean? Like, and there wasn't yeah, a lot. Yeah, not going anywhere then with yeah, that art. Like, you, you're setting up this love triangle, but then, like, nothing happens. And, like, the one guy, um, the, like, kind of, like, the third wheel is, like, completely in love with her. And she has absolutely no feelings towards him. So it was, like, a very, like, it was kind of like a twosome and a third wheel. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's, like, I'm here for the espionage. I don't need this awkward. And there right. was... Yeah, there was enough dramatic tension between the two male leads that again, like I feel like the romantic subplot just bogged it down because one one of the characters' brother may or may not be a Russian spy, and so like the other colleague is kind of set up to spy on Colin Firth. You know what I mean? Like that's enough. That dynamic is enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. You don't need an, a a woman thrown into the mix. So um. All in all, it was, like, an enjoyable afternoon. Uh, again, like, about halfway through, I kind of wanted to check my phone to see what time it was. But then once it hit this, like, probably the halfway mark, I was very engaged. So um, for me, it's a stream it. Again, for people who really like this genre of movies, because some people are, like, really into spy movies, um, I think you'll really enjoy it. But it's not like a James Bond spy movie, like where it's like action 
you know, like almost unbelievable action. This was like a right. true story, you know, like even though some of the things they were doing were pretty spectacular, it's not an action movie. It's like a pretty traditional World War II espionage movie. So like heads up, <laughs> know yeah, what you're getting yeah. into. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, it was a stream it for me. Stream it. There you go. Oh, wow. You did that in five minutes. I tried to be quick because I knew we were running out of time. <laughs> I know. You did a great job. And thank you. I'm glad we, we got that in there. We we will try to um, get to, to full reviews. Like next week, Moon Knight, I will talk about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I'll talk about the movie. I'll talk about the show. Do a little Marvel update, that type of thing. Uh, Taylor, you'll see something as well. And I'm sure we'll still have some fan questions. Well, but uh, we just, we had so many this time. We wanted to get through them and make sure they got done. So, Mike, we'll have our tuxedo mask and Luna voice. Yes. Wanda, we'll, we'll Wanda finish, Sykes. Yeah. Wanda Sykes as Luna. Wanda Sykes. Okay, that's a possibility. Maybe that's a possibility. <laughs> Just we'll throwing discuss. it out we'll there. Yep, we'll go through. We'll finish our casting. Give me some time to find a Timothy Chalamet replacement. I know I can do it. Um, he's not the only uh, young actor out there. So what about the guy who's playing Elvis in the new Elvis biopic? But he might be like 40 for all I know. Why? Like, you want this, like, twig to be tuxedo mask That's i think what... you and i just have a very different opinion of of what he is i'm really <laughs> giving he... you insight into like seven-year-old taylor's psyche right <laughs> yes very keep it very twig like this was my first crush mike so right. obviously i'm emotionally right. invested in this casting all right well we will we will we will debate dude who's playing elvis timothy chalamet and unknown Question which I will mark. bring to the table. Question mark, which I will bring to the table <laughs> next week. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. More, more great movie uh, reviews coming next week, and we will bring finally bring back not a great plan. So definitely tune in next week for that. Go see some movies. Thank you for listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast, recorded at CFRC at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Queen's University sits on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee and Anishabi peoples. We would like to thank the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences and the CFRC Podcast Network.